Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, what up? What up, YA? How are y'all? Yeah, okay. Man, y'all got to repeat that. How are y'all, YA? Yeah, man, it's so good to see y'all. Pastor G kind of left me short hanging, man. That was a little short video. I was not ready to be all, so give me like two seconds. So y'all doing all right today? Thumbs up, thumbs down, mid, you know, and everybody's like, oh, someone's like, I just woke up today. I'm just kidding. Anyways, hey, my name is Corey Kane. If you have not heard on the video, I am a pastoral assistant here at Faith Family Church, and I just want to give a real quick shout out to G, man. G works so hard for y'all, man. He works so hard for YA. He works so hard for SM. And he puts so much time and effort and prayer into what he does for the next generation, man. So if y'all could, man, y'all have a pastor that loves y'all. Give a hand of a clap. Hand of a clap to Pastor G as he's gone. We love him, man. And uh, he's, he's one of the best out there. So with that being said, before I hop into this message, I got a funny story. How many of y'all have uh, younger siblings? Any, anybody? Yeah, me too. Okay, I'm about to, I've felt really convicted writing this because whenever I was little, I have a sister named Jaden Can. She's the best ever. She's so sweet. She's so loving. She's so kind. She's like the raddest dude out there. So shout out to Jaden. She's so cool. Whenever you see her, bro, just dab her up. She's so awesome. Anyways, so Jaden, when she was little, like I would bully her. She'd be playing in the, in, the, in the room with her dolls, right? And I'd come home and I'd come in the living room and I'd be like, she's playing with her dolls, having the time of her life. And I'd just be like, you know, kick her out. And I would, and like, I bet you, I just started thinking, I was like, I bet you she hated life so much. Because she's a girl, you know, girls, are, y'all, have it, y'all have it difficult in us, man. Shout out to y'all. And, you know, she's, she was probably playing with her Barbie dolls, and I would just come in there and ruin her day, just like, for no reason. I was the biggest bully. Well, this reason, um, anybody like airsoft guns, man? Growing up, I played with airsoft guns all the time, right? Well, my parents got me an airsoft gun. We go outside. I'm all, like, shooting it for, like, Christmas. I don't know what day it was. It was some kind of cold day. I was shooting, like, cans, all kinds of stuff, you know, hanging out, doing a, you know, new boot goofing. And uh, my sister comes out, and she's hanging out. And I'm like, Jaden, you know. Me being the older brother and the bully, I'm like, man, I got to shoot Jaden with this thing at least one time. You know. I know. I know. It's messed up. Well, here comes Jaden. She, like, she saw me open the gift. She knows better. She's like, he's going to shoot me. And I was like, you're right. So... Jaden comes out, you know, she comes out of the, the, the house, and she's, like, walking the girl in the, in the yard, looking around, and we have this treehouse in the middle of our yard, and I'm sitting there on the treehouse, you know, I, I hide the gun on the floor, she can't see it, it's too low, and I'm like, Jaden, you know, like, we're like seven or six, I'm like, Jaden, come here, and she's like, me, and I was like, yeah, you're Jaden, right, she's like, yeah, and I was like, Jaden, you want to hang out and play on this treehouse, mm, I know, I know, it makes you cry. I was like, Jane, you want to play? And she's like, you want to play with me? And I was like, yeah, Jane, let's play. Let's hang out. And so she's like, you know, she really looks one last time for that, for that airsoft gun. She's like, all right. So she like waddles over there, biggest smile in her life. And I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, man, once you touch that slide, you're about to get dropped. And so she comes in on the slide, man. And as soon as she touches it, I'm like, bam, boom, you know, I roll her, right? And she, like, flies straight back, head hits the ground before her body goes, bam. And at that moment, man, I was like, she's not breathing. But I didn't know it was that breathe that right before you hit that sibling, you know how it takes a while for them to cry? It's like, it's like, uh, 
was one of those, and I was like, oh, no, and she gets up, and she's screaming and running and running, and I'm like, oh, I know where she's going, so I put the gun down and get off the slide, and she's like, mama, mama, she's like running like she got shot or something, I mean, she did, but she was running towards my mom, screaming for her name, and to get to her, and boy, when my mom found out, she beat me, she took my gun, like she should, and she, uh, she told me not to do that again, but the reason why I tell that story is because today we are talking about conflict of friendship, the conflict of friendship. It's, it's, I know, I know, it's not conflict. But the reason why I say that story is because mom, a.k.a. God, is a lot of the times we don't, whenever we get in conflict with friends, whenever we get in an argument, I hope you don't shoot your friends. That's not a good conflict. But whenever you have altercations with your friends, whenever you are mad at each other, whenever you are hurt at each other, we don't run to mom, which is we don't run to God, you know? A lot of the times we like to settle with each other. We like to argue with each other, hash it out. And sometimes conflict can separate a friendship. So the reason why I tell that story is because God is mom, right? So whenever we get in an argument, next time you're thinking of this story, think of, I got to run to God. I got to be like, God, you know, because God has a higher authority. He has a higher power. He has a higher say. He's true, and we love him, and we believe in him with all our heart. So with that being said, last week we talked about the components of friendship with Pastor G in the first message of this series called Thick and Thin, right? Thick and Thin, you know what that means? Through Thick and Thin? My homies. Anyways, Through Thick and Thin. And so the title of this message is called The Conflict of Friendships. Should be up there, right? Conflict of Friendships. Cool. So the first point of this message, I'm going to hop right into it. It's called The Point. And the point is good people still have conflict. Believe it or not, guys, Christians have conflict. Welcome to church. Uh, as Christians, God never said that we wouldn't go through family problems, that we wouldn't go through drama, that we wouldn't go through friendship problems, that we wouldn't go through conflict, that we wouldn't go through boyfriend and girlfriend breakups and all that nasty stuff. And conflict can't be avoided. I don't know if you know that, but I've been trying to run through com from conflict my whole life. It never works. So we can't avoid conflict, obviously, right? So we have to get through it. But conflict can be shown in different ways. One might be the person did you wrong, right? Mm, backstab, hurts. One might be the person did an action and you're trying to coach them, you're trying to keep them accountable, and they get mad at you or you get mad at them for disagreeing, blah, blah, blah. You know how the ugly story gets, and you get mad, and that's a disagreement. Or maybe just a total disagreement on something that you believe. That can cause conflict in friendships, in parents' friendships, and relationships. I'm just going to put relationships because relationships, overall variety, right? But maybe... You struggle with conflict, and you've seen the enemy grow some room. You've seen the enemy open up opportunities for him to work, for him to create ugliness, for him to create a madness, angry, bitterness, all that stuff, for him to ruin friendships. And trust me, man, friendships can get ugly. Conflict can get ugly within friends. And I've seen them get a torn apart over and over again. And it's not because the conflict is so ugly. It's because people get so ugly. People get so ugly whenever you tell them, hey, man, fix this. Hey, man, fix that, you know? Or people get so ugly whenever you don't agree with them in some areas, even your best friends. And it's sad because I've seen way too many of my friendships, way too many of my friends, uh, you know, go off and do their own thing because we couldn't figure out how to get through conflict. It's going to come. So today, we're digesting that. Amen? So as Christians, we should be good soil, and we should take criticism to be better, sharpen each other, and be on the same team. Amen? So, I'm going to show you how the Bible says that, because we can't do this thing alone. In Thelosians 5.11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. In Proverbs 27.17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, 
and one man sharpens another. In Luke 17, 3, it says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And the last but not least, in Hebrews 10.25, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, obviously in the Bible, it states multiple times that we should be accountable of each other, that we need each other. We depend on each other, man. We lean on each other. We're designed for it. We're designed to depend on each other, right? How many of y'all have tried to do this Christian walk thing alone? Any of y'all? And it's really turned out bad. Me. I've tried to do it alone, and it's bad. I need friends. I need accountable people who can help me because I'm going to fall. We're all going to fall short one day. But guess what? It's, there's a reason why there's good friends around to help you out, right? So, when we experience conflict, we have to ask ourselves a few questions. And maybe you're the one um, getting this conflict. You're receiving the conflict. We've got to ask ourselves, are we becoming bitter? Are we becoming upset? Are we becoming angry? Are they, are they trying to help us? You know, you've got to kind of figure out a good balance in between so you don't get so mad. Or maybe you're the one calling out the conflict. Are you calling it out in a Christian way? Are you calling it out in, in a right way, a build-up way, not a put-down, not, not making them feel little or making them feel ashamed of what they did? Are we genuinely trying to help? Those two questions can put you in a category where you can actually develop and grow your friendships, right? So as humans, we're going to feel upset. We're going to feel down. We're gonna, we don't like being called out. We don't like having change. We don't like even arguing with our friends, right? And so there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some disagreement. But there is this cool book called the Bible, guys. I know. The Bible gives all the answers to us. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible is a really cool book, and it solves a lot of our problems, only if we dive, dive into it and, and, and just, like, you know, kind of dissect it, get all into it, and understand it. So, there's this cool man called Jesus, and he gives us a step-by-step way to solve conflicts between us found in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. And we're going to break them down verse by verse. Amen? So, the second, we're gonna, the second point of this message is called the process, the process of conflict. This process of conflict is going to be digested into four points, okay? So just stick with me. The process of conflict. In, in, in Matthew 18, 15, it says, if another sinner, if another believer sins against you, go privately. I'm sorry. You aren't supposed to read out the underlying points. Oh, okay. Well, it's okay. Privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. Everyone say privately. There you go. Privately, right? So the first process of conflict is keep the matter private. Everybody say private. Private again, one more time. Private. When we keep something private, it shows a lot of maturity. It shows a lot of, a lot of heart, a lot of emotion, a lot of character, and a lot of intentions. I don't know about you, but a mature question to ask yourself while you're pointing out someone's conflict in Christ or to a friend is, am I trying to win the argument or am I trying to win this person? And a lot of the times we go around and we try to point out problems and, and people, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying this because I've done it before, but we like to point out problems when we have something in our own eye too, and we try to win the argument, try to make us uh, seem smart, try to make us seem like we know something. But if I was to point out one of my friend's problems, and I went and told everybody and their mom about it, everybody and, and mama's drama, you know, about how they messed up and I was being judgmental and I was putting them down, that would be gossiping, right? That wouldn't be correcting. God wants us to correct in our lives, in our friendships. He wants us to fix. He wants us to hold each other accountable, not gossip sometimes. Sometimes people get offended, right, by other people's actions, by their words. Obviously, that's what we're talking about. But instead of correcting, they want to go and gossip because they're so hurt. And I don't know about y'all, but today, man, 
it's so normal to go and cancel people, right? You see all over Instagram, all over Twitter, man, I'm going to cancel him. I'm going to put him down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expose him because they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? But God never intended it to be like that. I don't know about you, but that isn't Christian. That's not something Jesus did when, he, when people sinned against him. He could have easily canceled him. Jesus could have snapped his finger like Thanos, man, boom, wiped him out. You know? He could have. Am I wrong? He could have really snapped his fingers and bam. He could have really canceled him, but he didn't. God is saying, go privately, man. And I'm going to give you, and the reason why I think he says privately, this is my piece of my mind with this privately stuff. I'm like, God, why do you want to go private? Let me ask you a question. Private, in like private conversations, one-on-one, they mean so much more in my opinion. It means so much more. It means you're going out of your way to talk to me privately because you love me that much. Right? It shows maturity. Remember I said maturity? Let me ask you one thing. Have you ever seen, <laughs> this is kind of funny, it makes me laugh. Have you ever seen like one person and one person like private conversation? Have you ever seen them get in a fist fight? No, you haven't. I never heard of like, I never opened a door and like, oh, two guys are fighting in the bathroom by themselves and walk out. That's never happened. Like, that's weird, you know? And I was thinking to myself, I was like, why am I thinking that when I read this? It's because it's true, man. The reason why you never see that is because when you meet privately, you can show your emotions. You can hash it out and show love. It's very hard for anger and bitterness to grow when you're one-on-one and seeing the intention of the other person's heart. And that's truth. Water break real quick. Yummy, yummy. Fruit salad. Anyways. So, whenever we're thinking about exposing someone or canceling someone, remember not to gossip, but to correct it, right? Correct it. Meet privately and talk to them. But maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like, Corey, you act like I was born yesterday, bro. I've met with someone private, right? I, I have. And they still didn't agree with me. They thought there were all that in a bag of chips, and I left empty-handed, right? Well, boys, back to the drawing boards. The next verse says, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses, right? So the process of conflict First is keep the matter private. Number two is grab a couple witnesses, right? Grab a couple witnesses. When we are unsuccessful the first time, we don't just give up, man. We don't, we don't want a shallow friendship like that. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to fight for my friendship, and I'd want a friendship to fight for me. I don't want something shallow that's going to last temporary, that's going to be shaken by something, right? No one wants a relationship with the person if they're just going to fluke on the last, you know, on the first argument, right? You want someone who's going to be there for you, who's going to fight for you. So God knew there was going to be disagreement, so he gives you another point, and he says, bring a witness in. Now, God doesn't say bring your best friend in it who's going to agree with you no matter what, you know? It's like, it's like I just hit a dog, and it's like my best friend's like, your dog shouldn't have been there, you know? I'm not talking about a friend like that. I'm not. I'm not talking about someone like that. And if you were here last week about Jesus' message, he said, he said it perfectly. You don't want a best friend who's going to tell you what you want to hear. You don't want a best friend that's going to tell you what you need to hear. And a lot of the times, we don't bring witnesses in that need to hear what other people need to say. He, they want to tell us something. Our best friends want to tell us what we need to hear that makes us comfortable. But a real good friend who wants to keep you refreshed, who's going to keep you on track of God's word, is going to hold you accountable to a lot of stuff. So when God says bring another witnesses, witness in, he's talking about someone for both parties. Not talking about your best friend, like I said. He's not talking about your brother or your sister who's going to hang out with you and take your side. He's talking about someone who knows the word. He knows truth. He knows some, some right and some wrong. And he's going to sit down and hash it out between both sides. He's going to hear both parties because God is a fair God. You notice how everything seems fair now? It's seeming kind of fair. It's like, well, what if the other person wasn't wrong? Well, here, here's this witness. I'm going to, try, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a witness so you can be both heard 
evenly, right? So we go on, and you may be thinking, Corey, I wasn't born yesterday. I brought my friends in. I brought my, well, did you bring your best friends in? Don't bring your best friends in. I might, you might have been like, man, I brought someone in, and, so, and nothing still worked. Well, God gives us another step. It says, in the process of conflict, keep the matter private, grab a couple witnesses, and the third one is take it to the church, right? Take it to the church. And Jesus says more in verse uh, 17a. He says, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Everybody say church. Church. I love it, man. love it when y'all talk to me. Church. What Jesus is saying here is, is where a lot of people lack. It's where a lot of people don't do. It's where people kind of draw the line and they're like, mm, that's a little too far out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to go sit with the pastor. I'm not going to go sit with the church, right? And mature believers in the body of Christ always want to help you bring peace and joy and comfort. And I'm not just saying this because I go to this church, man. I'm not just saying this because I work here or whatever. But, man, Faith Family does such a good job at building circles that you have no idea about. If you're struggling, man, if, if, if you're in this position where you have to bring a friend to, uh, to the church and to develop them, just know that Faith Family has doors for you, man. YA has doors for you. I mean, look how much YA has grown because of the circles and the connections of how many leaders care about you and friendships, right? So I'm not just saying it to say it, but when God says take it to the church, you want to be able to trust God. You want to be able to trust the church. So trust our church, man. Go try it out. Take some of your friends that, that you're dealing with conflict with. Maybe you've brought a witness. Well, God says take it to a church. The church wants the best for people. It wants the best for friendships and pastors or mature church leaders who, who are kind of developed. They have that, you know, they do this thing type of uh, name in the church. Uh, go, in, go, in, go and sit down with them, man. They can help you teach the difference between right and wrong. They can help you teach uh, the word better if you're trying to have a good understanding. But what God is saying in this process is, man, go to the church. There's people there who want to help you. There's people there who want to develop you. You don't want to see your friendships lack, right? So we go back on. And like I'm saying, you might not have been bored yesterday. Maybe there's some mature believers in here. And this one hits my heart because and I don't, this is not on my thing. When I was prepping and praying earlier, God was really kind of putting this on my heart, man. If you're the friend that drug them to the church, if you're the friend that's dragging the person through conflict to church, man, props to you. I don't know about you, but I want a friend who, to go that, that far with me, to care about me, you know. And you, you might be on the other end. You might be like, well, my friend's dragging me to church because I did something bad. Like, so what? Man, I, want, I hope one day that you can open your eyes and be like, man, that friend cares about you so much. They love you so much. They want to support you so bad. If I could have a friend that would drag me to church and just try to solve our friendship so we can get better, man, that's, that's a person who wants to win the person, not the argument, in my opinion. So. But it doesn't work all the time, sadly, man. It doesn't work all the time. And people still disagree at the end of the day. And not everyone will work things out at the church. Not everything will work out like, like butterflies and rainbows. And this is your third time. And I don't know about you, but like three strikes, you're out. You know, that's my motto. But Jesus said something at the end of the scripture in 17b that really confused me at first. But when you understand it, it means, man, it means the world to you. I'm sorry if I get choked up because this scripture, man, it, it really hits hard whenever you understand it. And it says in verse 17b, it says, then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat the person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. So we go back to the process of conflict, man. And this is the last step of, of the process of the second point. It says to keep the matter private, grab a couple witnesses, take it to the church. And fourth is treat the person as a pagan or tax collector. Jesus is saying to treat him as a, as, a corrupt, as a corrupt tax collector, as a pagan man. Do you know what a tax collector was? Do you know what a pagan was back then? 
People hated them. People would spit on them in the street. People would push them to the side. They were like burdens. They were like, man, who are you? Like, I hate you, you know? And that sucks going around life, carrying that, feeling like that. And, and my heart goes out to them back in the day. And it makes me so sad because these people, man, they were like, if they would have died, they would have made the whole world better. That's how people saw them back then. And it breaks my heart. And so I started thinking. I was like, why would Jesus even say that? But then I started thinking. I was like, you know what? They broke my heart three times. I've drugged them all the way here three times. I care about them so much, and still they're just turning their back on me. I'm done, man. I'm not going to treat them like a friend. I'm not going to love them through it all, right? They don't deserve it. You burn me, I'm done with you. But there's this cool man named Jesus who sits with the tax collectors and the pagans and the person who doesn't deserve his love or anything like that. And I don't know about you, but I can see myself being a pagan or tax collector because I've turned my back a few times on Jesus. I've turned my back on a few friends before. I was in the wrong at some points, right? But there's this man named Jesus who sits with them. It makes no sense. He doesn't sit with the religious. He sits with the tax collectors. Makes no sense. But then I started reading into it, man, and, and it makes so much sense. And it's important to see what becomes before and after this passage because it shows how Jesus loved these pagan, pagans and tax collectors. This is the context. It's the parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18, 10 through 14, right? And then it goes on to how to solve conflict in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. And then it talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. You see how it's kind of lining up? You see how, like, the lost sheep goes off, and then you talk about conflict. Well, I got my conflict friend. I brought him back in the church, and it talks about how the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? So right after how to deal with conflict, Jesus warns us again against being un unforgiven in the parable of the unforgiving servant. And if you want to know how Jesus treated lost pagans and tax collectors, man, I'm going to read this verse because it, it hits, bro. It says, it says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I'll tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Perish, there you go, sorry. And uh, if, if the band can come back up, and, and I'm going I'm to close out with this last point. But see, after you read this, you might be confusing. Like, man, Corey, how does sheep <laughs> deal with us? How does sheep reference us, man? See, Jesus loves the people who don't repent so much that it says right here that he will rejoice over it more than the people that, the, the 99 that didn't wander away. And so I'm reading, and it's like, Jesus, who are you talking about when you mention this? Why is it before? And he's talking about the pagans and tax collectors. See, whenever your friend is going and, and, and doing their own thing and is disagreeing with you, not going to the word, is sinning in life, don't turn your back against them. Jesus never did that to you. Instead, the priority of your life, of this whole thing called Christianity, it should be love. It should be love. So the third point is the priority is love. Whenever you're feeling down, whenever you're feeling upset, whenever you're thinking about turning your back against someone who disagrees with you, just remember how much Jesus loved pagans and tax collectors. He even says to treat them like one. And so when you take that interpret interpretation and you turn it around and you're like, man, I was the pagan and tax collector. I was the one that ruined my life. I was the one that turned my back. Yet Jesus loves me anyway? It makes no sense. So if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be called to love, because we all are called to love, we're designed for it. I don't know about you, but you crave that. Everybody in here craves love. You're designed for it. Jesus gives you 
everlasting love. He gives you peace. He gives you hope. He gives you restoration. And if we go around dealing with conflict, man, and our friends don't disagree, we are going to be in an empty heaven because we're kicking people out of the kingdom just because we don't love them, even when they mess up. Remember what Jesus did for you, man. He loved you whenever you didn't deserve it. He loved you when you weren't repenting. He loved you when, whenever your, your, your parents were your parents were disagreeing with you. He loved you whenever you were bad towards your parents, bad towards your friends, bad towards your family. He loved you through it all. So, with that being said, if your parents, if your sisters, friends, loved ones, if they don't agree with you, man, and you're trying to drag them to this stuff and they don't agree, love them through it anyway. Because Jesus loved you through it anyway. The band's back up, as you can tell. I know you're not blind. But there's this, there's this one song that we're about to sing, and everybody should know it. It's called Reckless Love, right? It's called Reckless Love. And I don't know about you, but, man, if you know Reckless Love, it, it hits a little different sometimes because you understand that you were that parable. You understand that you were that tax collector at one point, you know? And in Reckless Love, I'm going to explain why uh, Corey Asber, his name's Corey too. It's kind of cool, right? Uh, Corey wrote this song, and the reason why he wrote it it was on the 99. It was on the one leaving the 99, right? And he writes this song. He writes this because he calls it reckless love. And he doesn't, it's not called reckless God, you know? God's not reckless. But something odd about God is his love is reckless. I don't know about you. I don't know what you came in here today with, but you're here for a reason. You're here because you're carrying some burdens. I mean, we all are. We're not perfect people, man. But there's this man named Jesus who came to love the tax collectors, the pagans, through conflict, through anything, through thick and thin, he's loved you through it all, right? But the reason why Corey wrote this song, it makes me think, is because God's love is reckless. After the three-step process, if friends didn't repent and fix what they were doing, you would be so upset. You would be angry. You would be filled with anger and be like, man, I don't want to be a friend with that anymore. I don't want to love them. I don't want to treat them normal because it ain't. They hurt me, right? But Jesus loves you anyway. It would be reckless for us to love them. We, we, we got burned way too many times. It'd be dumb for us to go back, man. It'd be reckless. It would put us in a position for hurt. Yet, God doesn't anyway. Jesus doesn't anyway. His love is reckless, man. And I, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about that, I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve his peace, his comfort, his everlasting life. Even when I was that tax collector, right? But man, this goes beyond friendships. This goes beyond stuff. This goes. Be, this is. This is all focused on conflict, man. I feel like there's some people in here who struggled with parent conflict, and you're in here angry, and you're up here upset, and you're mad, and you're and you're just you're fighting this demon inside of you of anger towards your parents just because some conflict went bad. I just want you to know that God never designed your conflict to be that bad. If you have a heavy heart, man, try to choose love over hate. Try to choose love over anger because God chose love over anger for you. See, he, he took the punishment of our sins just so we could live eternal life with him, just so we could have a relationship with the Father. It doesn't make sense. It's reckless love. And so as we sing out, man, if you're struggling with conflict, if you're struggling with with, with friends that, that, didn't, that didn't go right, the friendships that fail, that relationships that fail, man, I just want you to think about what Jesus did for you when your relationship was kind of distant, you know? I want you to, to be able to sing the song. Listen to the bridge. Listen to how God chases you down no matter what. And whenever you get up and you praise the song, if y'all could, y'all can all stand up right now. It'd be cool if that, that happens. But 
if y'all if y'all sing the song and you start thinking about the bridge and the lyrics and the words, you'll start to understand what I'm talking about. You'll start to understand how if you're like if you're new here, man, if, if this is your first time, you'll understand how God's always been present in your life. You'll understand why you're here. You might be confused, you might be like, man, this guy's kind of weird. But guess what? God will love you anyway, man. If you're dealing with conflict, listen to this bridge, listen to this song. I'm gonna come back up and visit here, but man, let's praise God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is so much better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, our young adults meet Tuesday nights at 7.30 p.m. in the Faith Family Church Next Gen Building. If you're in 6th through 12th grade, we meet Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. in that same building. Also, feel free to follow our YouTube at ffc.nextgen or our Instagram accounts at ffc.ya or ffc.sm. God bless you and have a great day.